Hosting for the Board Game Design Lab podcast is sponsored by Quartermaster Logistics, the leader in crowdfunding fulfillment and warehousing. Check them out at qmlogistics.com. Welcome to the Board Game Design Lab podcast, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Each week, we want to bring you an insightful interview on a specific topic in board game design to help you design and create games people love. And now, here's your host, Gabe Barrett. What's up, my friends? Welcome to the Board Game Design Lab. Today, today we're talking about marketing. Today we're talking about the thing that probably causes game designers uh, you know, to have night terrors because they just don't understand it. They don't have any idea where to begin. And we're going to be talking to Andrew Lowen from Next Level Web, a guy that's got 10 years of experience in marketing. He's done a lot of internet marketing. He's been marketing board games for the last while. And so I'm excited to get into that. Andrew, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. <laughs> yeah, man, this is a this is a hard topic. This is something that, you know, I get emails all the time from people saying, hey, I've got a game. I, I want to go to Kickstarter or I want to get a publisher or whatever, but I have no idea what to do as far as Facebook or an email list or a website or any of those things. And so I'm excited today just to jump into the the, the stuff for people just getting started and also, you know, have some nuggets of wisdom for people maybe have been uh, doing it for a while and just kind of look at things from different angles. But before we get into marketing, who are you? How'd you get into game design? All that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, my name is Andrew Lowen. I've got five daughters uh, that are age seven and under. I live in, and none of them are twins. I live in beautiful San Diego, California. I love mixed martial arts and I've done jujitsu and wrestling for you know 20 years now. I'm almost a black belt in jujitsu and I went through college wrestling. I represented Team USA on occasion uh, sometimes. And then um, I, after graduating college, I ended up um, getting married starting a business, buying a house all within like a month of each other, uh, in addition of, of course, graduating college. And I kind of became a, uh, had to become a man really quickly. So um, I had to find something to do. And um, I I was always, you know, I mean, just being a gamer, I the thing that got me into it was uh, Pokemon, the trading card game. So I was that nerd at the, uh, you know, like trying to hide in the high school lunch yard with like my Pokemon cards with my with my buddies trying to hide from the other wrestlers that that wanted to you know punk me um and then you know I got into match gathering I got into um you know competitive card games and um I became a uh, actually I was a hardcore video gamer I must have put in you know 20,000 hours into World of Warcraft by itself um League of Legends um Dota things like that and um you know, there, there just, there came this point right around 2015 where I, you know, my family was growing. Um, I had started my, my, um, digital marketing agency at the time. I was just freelancing websites, uh, back in 2011 or no, I'm sorry. Uh, I went full-time in 2010. I started the business October, 2009, but, um, my first board game client was actually in 2011. I built a website for constitution quest, um, which is a, a board game that's still around. And, um, but anyway, uh, around 2015, video games, I was, I was actually a professional gamer playing Hearthstone and whatnot, and I decided to pull the plug on video games entirely because like cold turkey quit, and it was just kind of taking over. Uh, it was becoming like my top priority, and so I quit, and I looked for another medium to fill that void, and that was board games because you can you know, compartmentalize board games a lot better. You know, you open them up on a table, you play a game, you put them away, 
they're not going to i mean the setup time of gloomhaven is such that i will not just sporadically play that you know it's it's got to be planned and that kind of thing and that's what my my wife really appreciates you know um so that's that's pretty much how i got into the game design um there are a bunch of little nuances along the way but really the quitting of video games was kind of my um you know push into the industry so i started to design a board game back in you know partway through i guess 2016 called deliverance and that's been three and a half years now back to 100 kickstarters and fell down the rabbit hole yeah very cool and so i'm excited to get your your just expertise your advice your wisdom from a decade you know being in marketing that's one thing marketing especially now because the internet it changes so quickly like one thing i was talking to some students that you know that want to major in marketing in college they're getting ready to go to college next year and they're looking at business and marketing and things like that. And I told them, I was like, hey, guys, you know, the books you're going to learn from when you get to school are going to be so outdated. Even if they were you know, written last year, they're going to be outdated because the way the marketing changes and the way it moves. And so I think it's one of the things that really overwhelms people because they, they constantly see new things. And especially with Facebook ads and Google ads, like all the different things and all the different algorithms that change, all this stuff. And so I'm really just interested to get your, your thoughts, your advice on this. But before we get into what marketing is and get a good little definition, what is it not? Like, tell me what marketing isn't. Okay, <laughs> that's, that's a great question. Um, so marketing is not selling a used car like a snake oil salesperson. A lot of people think that in order to market their game, they have to start selling people on their game. And I believe that marketing is not something that you have to twist somebody's arm against their will to get them to buy your thing, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. You see you see people online posting all the time, hey, I don't understand marketing, and I don't want to come across as a used car salesman. You know, they're, they're actively aware that they don't want to be that, and so then they're trying to figure out, what does that mean? Because I feel like marketing gets, it gets kind of a bad rap, you know, with people, uh, kind of this connotation towards it, oh, you're really just uh, over-promising and you're going to under-deliver, that's what marketing is, because unfortunately, that's what's happened. A lot of people have have overhyped things, oversold things, especially in board games, you know, hey, this is the next biggest game ever, and then people get it, and they're like, oh, that's, mm-hmm. that's not that fun, <laughs> and I just spent $100 on Kickstarter, and I had to wait two years to get it. <laughs> so I feel like marketing has kind of gotten a bad reputation. So what what is marketing, especially in the board game space? So marketing, above all things, there's this definition that sticks in my head that I learned from Seth Godin, who's a, um, a famous talking head that, uh, you know, in, in, in the marketing space, but a great thinker. Um, marketing is honesty. Marketing is, I have this thing that I genuinely believe that you will like, and I want to tell you about it, and um, I want you to try it. It would give me joy to see you try it. Uh, one thing that people market constantly nowadays is Disney Plus and The Mandalorian. So I want you, Gabe, I want you, and this is hilarious because I've never seen The Mandalorian. I don't own Disney Plus, but I'm taking the role of one of these people that are all so common. You know, I want you, Gabe, to see Baby Yoda. I want you to see The Mandalorian. It's the best show ever. And people will spend 20 minute cab rides telling their cabbie or their Uber uh, driver whom they will never see again. They spend 20 minutes trying to convince that person to get Disney plus to see this show. That is marketing. It's when you're genuinely excited about something and you feel blessed to be able to simply share it with someone else because you know that they're going to like it. That is the best way to market. And it is a way that makes people feel like 
hey, I am strengthening a relationship by doing this. It is helping you and not hurting you. I'm not trying to take money away, even though, yes, if you spend money on Disney Plus, it's going to cost. If you buy my board game, it's going to cost. But that's just kind of a, you know, aside from the point, like the point is that it's fun and that I know you're going to love it and you just have to check it out. Yeah, that's a really good point. You know, sitting here thinking about it, I don't think I've seen a single ad for Disney Plus. I don't think I've seen a single Facebook ad or anything, but I see things constantly about the Mandalorian, about Baby Yoda, about all these things that would drive me towards it. And Disney hasn't had to spend a dime on any of that marketing because it's just been all organic. And so I think maybe the first Mm -hmm. and foremost thing to think about with marketing is you need a really good product. You need something great that gets people talking. And because, you know, a great product is the best marketing in the world. If you have something that people want to buy, then, you know, they're going to find it. They're going to seek it out because their people, you know, friends are going to be talking about it and just being aware. And we'll get into kind of your target audience and things like that in a second, but of really reaching out to people and saying, hey, here's this thing, right? And then letting them kind of take it from there. It's the old adage, and I might've gotten this from Seth Godin, honestly, I'm a big fan of his, his stuff as well. But like, if you roll into a, a small town and you're hungry, you know, it's dinner time, and you roll in and you've never been there before and you look around and you've got two restaurants and across the street from each other. And one of them is packed, the parking lot is full. And the other one has like one car, maybe two. And you're like, hmm, I wonder which one I should eat at because the market there is telling you just by their presence, which one they prefer. And so, you know, those restaurants haven't had to come out and talk to you and have to send you an email or anything like that. Just the presence of the cars alone tells you which one maybe you should go towards based on the quality or based on the taste or based on what, you know, other people are saying. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a really good thing to think about. Create create something great. You know, (laughs) if you you notice movies that aren't going to be very good, typically you see commercials about them over and over and over again. Like the more marketing, it seems like for a movie, the worse the movie is. It's almost mm-hmm. like the, the producers and the, the, the film companies, they know, okay, this is going to bomb. And so we need yeah. to really make sure we, we get to it. Say it's the best picture. It's the <laughs> best movie ever since whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's the films that don't really have to spend much on marketing that, you know, do a lot better because people go to see it and then they tell all their friends about it and then everybody else wants to go. And so I think it's just something to think about uh, on the right. front end before you even get into this stuff. What else? What else should I be thinking about as I'm starting out? Well, uh, so, the, the, you know, to go back to your restaurant analogy, Kickstarter is just like that restaurant where oh, yeah. there, are, there are some people that are going to back your project because they play tested it at a convention or they, you know, whatever it is, they've heard about it online and they are just sold on the theme and they're going to back it. They do not care if that restaurant's full. They want to try the steak and eggs or whatever it is, you know, they've heard about. And so those, you have those people, but you have a huge percentage of people that drive up to the Kickstarter website and that look at various projects and that see projects that are unfunded and see projects that are funded. And, you know, it's like, uh, you know, the busy restaurant is the funded project and the unfunded project that has 20% funding is like that, that restaurant with dark lights, one car in the parking lot and, you know, looks like they're dealing shady watches and that kind of thing in the corner. Um, so people want to back a winner. That's one of the things about Kickstarter is that when you have a very, and this is well documented, but you can just see it, you know, when you back, or I'm sorry, when you look at a project that funds very quickly, and we'll say like within the first 24 hours, maybe within the first 48 hours, it is going to have a massively different trajectory than that very same project that takes 72 96 hours, you know, a whole week to finish funding. 
there is going to be a way different trajectory um, for both. And I've, again, I've worked on the very same Kickstarter uh, campaign when it fails and they relaunch it. And, you know, I've seen projects just have astronomical differences if they fund quickly versus if they barely fund or don't fund. It's, it's, the difference is massive. And, and really what we're talking about in marketing, I guess the end point, you know, when you, when you teach it a game and you, when you demo a game, it's really helpful to say, okay, this is the end from the beginning. This is how you win, right? The whole goal for probably for our conversation, and you feel free to chime in right after this, of course, uh, and expand the scope, but the whole goal for our conversation is to help you fund a Kickstarter quickly so that you can be successful, right? Yeah, absolutely. And whether you're going to submit your game to a publisher for them to publish or for them to run a Kickstarter, or you're going to do it yourself, a lot of this stuff still applies no matter which direction you're going to be going. And so I want to make sure we're, we're clear about which angle we're talking about. Uh, but you know, at the same time, the world we live in now, even if you submit to a pretty well-known publisher, the odds are they're going to go to Kickstarter because that's just the way the market is. It makes a lot more business sense than you know spending hundred grand up front to hope a game gets you know people buy the game. Well, you might as well just you know go, know exactly what the audience wants on the front end. And so yeah, awesome. Yeah, and I'm doing something really weird. I'm I'm you know basically designing and and doing all the art and everything and all of the marketing for a game and then handing it to a publisher. So that's, I don't know. Yeah, which is definitely, definitely not what I would advise anybody to do. But uh, you and I were talking about it before the show got, got started. And it, it makes some interesting sense the way you're doing it. And it'll be good to have you come back on the show, you know, a year from now <laughs> and just kind of do a postmortem and say, all right, why did you do it? What worked? What didn't? What would you change? Is this a model other people could could travel or road, road, road other people could travel down? And uh, it'll be interesting to find out. And so as we get into the, the nuts and bolts, right, the nitty gritty what it, let's talk about target audience because I feel like a lot of people start off and they go, my game is for anybody and everybody and everybody's going to want mm. this game. It's going to make a million dollars. It's going to be the next Monopoly, whatever. Okay, that's yep. really foolish. And it, it kind of shows inexperience in the industry. And so mm -hmm. like when you're really starting to figure out, okay, this game's going to be a product. I'm going to sell it. Either I sell it to a publisher or I sell it directly to you know Kickstarter audience, whatever. What should I be thinking about with my target audience, my demographics, all those things? Yeah, between, between target market you know, defining your target market and de really determining who the people are that are going to want to buy your thing, because that's what a target market is. They're the target that you want to market to, um, as simple as I can put it. Uh, between that and then the initial research to figure out how many people exist that want to buy my thing and how many of those people can I actually reach. Those things are really the fundamentals of what you need to think about right from the very beginning. So the people that want to buy your thing, um, you have to define those people and make them as specific as you can. It's not, you're not trying to exclude everyone else. So the, one of the biggest mistakes, starting with one of the biggest mistakes that I see is my game is made for anyone or everyone. The first thing you have to do is eliminate those two words from your vocabulary. Um, anyone that likes playing board games makes me personally I mean, you know, you and I like playing board games, but I, I like playing heavy, maybe heavy Euros and you like, you know, deep thematic dungeon crawlers. And so if they take out King Domino, it's going to make me really unhappy. You know, it's like this is not the kind of board game that I wanted to wanted to uh, play or whatever, or maybe back on Kickstarter, or, you know. Um, so we have to define a little bit 
maybe a little bit uh, more narrow. I like certain types of games. So um, that's the way gamers are, right? They have a preference for certain types of games. So your target market, uh, depending on the type of game that you have, they have to like that type of game. Uh, they have to like that genre. They have to like the theme. They have to like, you know, and that kind of thing. So, you know, for certain people, you know, smirk and laughter games, um, as, as just a random example, you have to like stabbing your friend in the back and you have, you know, because that's the type of games that they're going to make, take that games. Um, and if you don't like that, then, you know, get out and that's okay. And fair to say, you need to be able to exclude some people. Don't be afraid of excluding some people. My game is called Deliverance. It is a Christian fantasy dungeon crawler. A lot of people, well, first of all, a lot of people like Christian dungeon crawler. It doesn't make sense. Um, a lot of people are very turned off by that word Christian. And I have to be okay with that. You know, it's uh, the theme, kind of the the basis for the storytelling. It's like, a, you know, kind of like the Greek gods theme, but a, but a Christian um, uh, fantasy theme. And uh, that's legitimately going to turn people off. And I have to be okay with that. Because the bottom line is, you need a group of individuals that are hardcore, sold out, excited for your product. And if you can get those people, they're going to talk about it. They're going to get excited about it. They're going to share it with their friends and their family. And they're going to you know, share it in Facebook groups. I can, we'll get into that later. But you will have an, a, a, whatever size it is, however much marketing you do, you'll have a, size, a small army of very, very excited people. But what you do not want is you do not want to say, my game appeals to everyone. It's a carnival game, so kids and adults will enjoy it. And, you know, if you've ever eaten cotton candy in your life, you're going to love this game. It's a carnival game. Um, you will have people that are very, that are lukewarm about it. Maybe, you know, some people are hardcore, like, I love carnivals. Um, and then other people are like, oh, yeah, then, you know, we'll see how it works out. Those people are not going to freak out and, and back your game no matter what the funding level is. They're not going to push your game. They're not going to organically market your game like you were talking about with Disney+. Plus. They're not going to be hardcore sold-out fans. And really, what we want to do is develop those hardcore, sold-out, go-for-broke-no-matter-what fans. And so right from the very beginning, those are the people that you need to define because a lot of decisions that you make in your marketing, where you market, how you market, um, what you say, are going to come down to the very basic, who's your target market? You know, um, for me, as a, you know, in, in dungeon crawlers, that's a little bit more heavy of a theme. People like to hear, um, you know, about the theme. They like to hear about, you know, the crunchiness of the, you know, the AI and other things like that. But if you're appealing to somebody that likes, you know, a light gateway game, that's going to turn them right off. I mean, they're they're not necessarily interested in, you know, the deep, crunchy mechanics that make solo play amazing, you know. And so you got to you have to talk, you have to define your target market, define your group of customers that you want to talk to, and be okay with speaking to them. You're not necessarily going to alienate people. Like, for example, going back to this Christian fantasy game concept of deliverance, um, you're a bunch of angels play, you know, battling demons in the spiritual realm with the humans caught in the middle is kind of the, the, the scope. But um, 
there are um, on my email list. I've got several thousand people on my um, my Facebook group and email list, and half of them are pastors, and the other half are atheists that absolutely love this theme, and that is something that absolutely shocked me initially. Um, be, well, I wouldn't say shocked me; it, it surprised me initially because you know you would expect that Christian fantasy, you know, dungeon crawl, Christians would like it, and you know that that's that's it. However, that's not true. You know, the game, of course, does not try to push an agenda. It doesn't try to get you saved by game three or whatever. And um, it's just that a lot of people are kind of starving for a theme like that and whatever. And, and so it just so happened to have a very open, large appeal to other groups. However, my marketing is concentrated on the um, the Christian crowd, if you will, because that's where my strongest return on investment is going to come from. And that's where my hardcore, hardcore fans are going to come from. Yeah, absolutely. And it's one of those things, especially now, there's so many games, so much noise out there. It's so hard to stand out. It is so much better to have a game that people love and then other people hate as opposed to a game that everybody's like, yeah, it's okay. Mm -hmm. like you, you want raving fans. You want people that are, that are there, that are rabid, that want to back it on day one, that are in it. You know, even if, even if that means you have a whole bunch of people like, well, this game is awful and I hate it and it's terrible. You know, I feel like Gloomhaven has that reaction. A lot of people, a lot of people love it. A lot of people hate it, right? Mm -hmm. It gets that reaction and it's number one on Board Game Geek, you know, did crazy on the Kickstarter. It has all these expansions, all this stuff coming out in the coming years and because it has raving fans. So it's much better to travel down that road than just trying to make a game that's for everybody that then everybody's like, yeah, it's fine. It's okay. And then it's forgotten yeah. about in 15 minutes, you know? And so one thing I always do for my, my projects, my games is uh, before I get started, before I really get into it, I define, okay, who is my customer avatar? Who is the specific person that this game is for? And I'll create a little sheet and I'll name, you know, uh, for the football game I have coming out, uh, on Kickstarter in, in January, uh, you know, my, my customer avatar is named Steve and he's 37 years old and he has a 12 year old son and he really wants to play games with his son and they both like football. And so he wants to find a cool little football game that's got some interesting things. It's not like the, you know, every single moment of every single game where it's like super two hour, you know, scenario based kind of thing. It's, you know, it's fun. It's lighthearted. It's got some funny things going on. And so that's kind of where I started. And then I created this dexterity uh, me mechanism for the game where you kick field goals, you throw a, a little football shaped die into the box and it has to land inside the field goal post inside the uprights to be good. And I was like, okay, this is fun. I like it. But then I got to thinking, but Steve doesn't like dexterity. He doesn't want to play a dexterity thing. And so I thought, well, okay, I need to have an alternative. So then I created like a luck based where you roll dice to see what happens. It's super thematic the way it, way it works out. It's like, okay, now you have a dexterity based or for Steve, you have a luck based system. So Steve doesn't have to do any kind of dexterity. His kid loves dexterity. His kid loves, you know, Jenga and Rhino Hero and those kind of things. He's going to love the dexterity based system. But Steve can do the dice-based system and it works out. And so every decision I'm making for the game goes through Steve. And it's almost like asking this imaginary friend, hey, Steve, what do you think about this? And thinking about what his response is going to be. And then I can define those things in the game. It gives me a really good filter. And I think the same thing can be true if you're in general, target audience. What does your yep. target audience want? If you're going to Kickstarter, that's a totally different target audience than going direct to retail. And so just yep. thinking through, all right, what do these people want? How can I give them the most of that? And then, and then just really just doubling down on all of those decisions. Absolutely. And you know, there are certain things that you'll hear on a, on a, you know, for, for me, uh, going back to this, uh, Christian fantasy concept, uh, you play angels against the game. Uh, so the game controls all the demons and whatnot. And one of the number one things that I'll hear from, um, you know, just a, a very generic crowd is, you know, can you play the demons? And the answer is no. Um, 
because even though you do kind of act as their intelligent handlers, you you need to, uh, you know, it would really it would really upset the people that were hoping for a theologically sound game, if you could. It's like you know, angels and demons fighting on the same team. Um, it sounds like fantasy, but it it's just not true to the uh, the source material, if you will, and that would kind of um, you know upset the target market i guess if you know and and so there's a decision that i've made that you know would probably make uh, the game more fun to some people but it, it's just not the right decision for um you know the the market yeah absolutely all right so we've got our game got our product we've got it kind of figured out we're developing it we're designing it because that's another thing you don't want to start marketing after all these things are done. You want to start that early. And I want to get into timelines uh, with this right now. So I'm, I'm working on my game. When should I start doing what? When should I create a Facebook page or a Facebook group and kind of tell me which one's better as, that, you know, as far as that kind of thing? And then like, tell me kind of some timeline goals with the whole project. Okay. So the, the you know, it's very common. I, um, so what I do, I've, I've worked with hundreds of companies. Um, we're talking probably about 500 different companies in my last 10 years. I consult on a regular basis with uh, Game on Tabletop. Uh, they have a, a pledge manager, and all of their salespeople direct customers that aren't quite sure what to do with their marketing to me. I've built brands from nothing to. In fact, one of my one of my recent brands, I'll I'll keep their name off the air. Um, I grew from ten thousand fans to to half a million fans this week. Um, you know, on Facebook, uh, we've built. I mean, I built companies from nothing to you know, half a million dollars a month on amazon.com. I've, um, done, I've had the pleasure of working with a lot of really amazing companies. Um, I'm not the magic silver bullet that does all of that, but I have been uh, able to take a meaningful part. Um, I've built email lists from zero to 50,000 in a year and, um, you know, all, all sorts of stuff. And it all starts with one motivated person creating a space that you can kind of um, take advantage of all of the the buzz that you create online or in person. So uh, to, to your point, that's a Facebook group, a Facebook page, an email list. Um, these are these are tools that you need to have as early as possible because you need to record the progress you make. So if you uh, what and what I mean by that is. You need to when when you go to a convention and sit in the demo area and then talk to someone and they get very you know and, and demo your game and they get very interested and want to play again and bring their friends back. You need to get their emails so that you have the right to talk to them again because you know maybe they live in a place that is not convenient. You know that they, maybe they're not your next door neighbor, um, and you need to um, keep track of that person's you know who was very interested. So. The way that you do that is an email list, a Facebook group, and a Facebook page. And I and really honestly less so the Facebook page. It's more about the group and the email list. Um, so when you acquire a name, uh, sorry, when you acquire an email on your email list, you have won the right to communicate with that person again. That person, hey, maybe they gave you their spam email, um, but you have won the right to send correspondence to that person. If you do that a thousand times, you have something of great value. The email list is how I have been able to build, you know, I mean, some companies, 
their return on investment for the email marketing work they pay us for is $44 earned for every dollar spent. And that is because when I send out one single email trying to, you know, sell something, I'm sorry, guys, I was the, I was the jerk on black Friday that sent like a million emails, but, um, the, uh, so whenever I try to, um, whenever I send an email, it's the same amount of work, no matter if it's one person that receives it, a hundred thousand people that receive it or whatever number in between. And so, uh, the, the return on investment for email marketing is it can be exponential because it's the same amount of work for a greater return as you, as you develop that list. So all of the work that you do right from the very beginning needs to be placed or needs to be recorded in a Facebook group or an email list. And you should, to answer your question, you should have that right away you can, you can get MailChimp is a great email program or email marketing program that is free up for up to 2000 subscribers or rather 2000, you know, whether they've subscribed or unsubscribed or whatever, 2000 is a great number. I mean, I have brought Kickstarters to a quarter of a million, just over a quarter million dollars with under 2000 subscribers, um, starting and it's a great place. So what you can do is you get your cell phone, download the app, the MailChimp app, and when you're in person doing demos or whatever, you, you know, at the end of the demo, you open up the app, tap the button that adds a person to your list and hand your phone to the, to the, you know, hopefully it's not so busy that they're going to take your phone, but hand your phone to the person you just demoed with and have them punch in their email address. Um, I believe that when, you know, as soon as you start publicly discussing your project, you are marketing your project. So make sure that you have an endpoint um, that you can direct customers uh, or interested people. And, um, you know, to a lesser extent, the earlier you can get a landing page put together, the better. Um, if you're talking to somebody on, you know, online, uh, like on Facebook, you know, you can drop the link of your Facebook group, but alternatively, the other link that you can drop is not your, you know, a link to sign up for your email uh, program. It's a landing page that has a link to, you know, subscribe to your email list, right? Yeah. Now define what a landing page is real quick, just in case somebody's fuzzy on that. Okay. So a landing page is a, a website. In essence, it's a website that you can send people to that talks about your game. And the reason that we call it a landing page is when somebody lands on it, they um, get to see just kind of the cliff notes. Um, I don't know, maybe that's a dated term nowadays, but um, they get to see like the short and sweet of what makes your game special and unique. And there's, you know, sometimes that page does not even scroll down. It's short enough that you don't even need to scroll. Um, I actually make my landing pages so that they scroll quite a lot, but right what we call above the fold or the very first thing you see without having to scroll, you get a nice bit of art you get a short little call to action or, you know maybe a short little blurb that says what your game is and then you have a little area that you, they can sign up for your email list um you know subscribe uh which is uh really the whole goal of that landing page you need a page that somebody can can go to can see what your game is and then subscribe for more information 
Yeah, very cool. Now, another question that popped up while you were talking about these things. Should I make a Facebook group for my game specifically or for my company or for both? That's a great question. So the Facebook group is for the game specifically. And first of all, you know, all the things that I'm saying, I'm a marketer. There are lots of other marketers who probably listen to this that say, hey, this guy is a dumb idiot. He doesn't know what he's talking about because marketers have different ways that they do things. And I think every marketer believes that their way is the best way. Um, so, you know, it, there are probably multiple ways to skin a cat. However, what I'm sharing with you is the way that I believe is superior in, in this industry. Um, the Facebook group is for the game itself because that, you know, people, you want people to organically talk to each other and they're not going to talk to each other about your company. Um, you know, Stonemeyer Games, to use a great example of someone who I believe does a lot of things right in the marketing arena. Um, they have a group for each of their games and they have a page for their company. The page shells out the company related announcements and news and, and that kind of thing. And the, the individual gamer groups um, will often share the news from the company page in, in the gamer group um, or, or I'm sorry, in the Facebook group to, to discuss. So I believe that the company page is for announcements and the group is for engagement. So is that, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really good good way to look at it. Another thing that, that popped up when you're talking about email lists, this, this is something that can be overwhelming, especially because people are like, okay, now I have email addresses. Now what? Do I just send them the date for the Kickstarter when it launches? Do I send them emails along the way? How does that work? I want to give some quick advice that I found to be very, very helpful and useful. And then I want to get your thoughts and opinions on kind of what emails to send and what content and that kind of thing. Years ago, when I was first learning about internet marketing and, and email lists and things like that, one of the things I learned was to always send a welcome email. You can schedule things. As soon as somebody signs up for your list, you can immediately send out a welcome email that says, hey, thanks for subscribing. Maybe gives them some links to some different content. You know, Maybe you tell them how often you're going to email them, just kind of give them some expectations, things like that. But one of the things I learned that's been super valuable is to always ask a question. And so with my, if you've signed up for the Board Game Design Lab email list, you have received this email, lots of interesting content. There's a, there's a coupon for some different things to save you money on things. But then it also says, hey, real quick, uh, take, a, take a second and just tell me what's your biggest game design challenge right now, right? And I get so many emails. I get emails almost every day from people signing up and then sending me their greatest challenge. And that does a number of things for the Board Game Design Lab. One, it allows me to engage people directly. They say, hey, I am dealing with this. And I can immediately respond and say, oh, okay, I have this podcast that addresses that. Here are some links to some really valuable content that might help you through that. And so it lets people know right off the bat, I care about you. I want you to succeed and, and be awesome as a game designer, no matter if you're just starting out, if you've been doing this for 20 years, I am here for you. On a help, I want to help guide you along in your game design journey in some way. I care about you. So one that gets, gets that accomplished. Two, it helps me gather information for future podcast episodes, for future content, for future things I want to do as far as products and things I want to offer the game designing community. So it gives me instant data for, for those kind of things. And then three, it ups my my open ability, I guess, or, or whatever the algorithm is for Google to not send my emails into the spam folder. They're saying, okay, this person gets a lot of engagement on their emails. And so it's not spam where I get a lot of junk mail. that's not actually junk mail. It goes into my junk mail folder just because, you know, Gmail said it was junk, even though it's really not. And so when people send messages back and forth, it tells Google, hey, this is this is legit. Put it in the inbox, not not in the junk folder. So multiple things going on with a welcome email that I think are super valuable. I think are just a must have. But then what are your thoughts on welcome emails? And then what are what are the other emails I should be sending to my list? 
Yeah, that that's those are great questions. Um, so welcome e- a welcome email is it's very like so in mailchimp it's very or uh, there are other email programs that we can talk about i'm just using mailchimp because it's uh, a common very you know commonly understood program uh, mailer light constant contact mailchimp are kind of my three go-to's but um the uh number one a welcome email is absolutely required you're completely right it should answer common questions uh, that, a, that a person has, number one, because if they sign up, you know, let's say they're on your game's landing page, they read a little bit about it. They're like, okay, it's a, a dungeon crawl. It's got, you know, AI. It's got this other thing going on. Okay, yeah, I'm interested enough to learn. The number one thing that I find valuable um, is answering common questions with that welcome email or, or giving a place for people to go to get questions answered. Number one, you know, a lot of people will will sign up for a list and have like some burning questions, a burning desire to learn. And if you don't take advantage of it at, at that moment, of their interest at that moment, then it cools off and they might not be interested at all anymore. So that's your moment to kind of get some information through what I call the crocodile brain, the the section of your brain that kind of is the fight or flight, you know, should I, you know, kill it and eat it? Or should I, um, you know, you know, is anyway, that, that type of brain that makes the base decisions defends us in marketing, you know, against marketing. So when somebody's mind is open to hearing what it is that you have to say, you should take full advantage of that moment because that's your time to shine. So the welcome email is an amazing opportunity to do that. So what I find very valuable is to answer common questions. Um, you know, people ask, like for, for Deliverance, for example, people will ask, you know, well, what kind of game is it? What do you do? And, and that kind of thing. So to give people just a, a place they can go to learn a little bit more about that is very valuable because people understand what it is. They're more likely to be interested in it. The more information that you allow somebody to consume when they're interested the more likely you're going to have a Kickstarter backer or, you know, somebody that wants to hang on to purchase that game, somebody who will become a rabid fan. Um, I love your concept of asking a question. It encourages engagement. And, um, you know, one, one thing that's interesting, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this too, is that the format of the email, should you have big images with art and that kind of thing, or maybe very little, very few images and make it kind of like a text-based thing. Um, I know you actually uh, kind of favor the text-based thing, and I'd love to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, so the text-based is really just for openability. It, it's early, you know, my, I use Active Campaign for all my email system stuff. I've had a lot of success with that one, so I definitely recommend mm-hmm. that. Uh, but it gives you like a score, and a lot of times if you put a lot of pictures in there, it'll it'll lower your your score as far as like the odds of this getting thrown in the junk folder. And so a lot of times I just use text-based stuff because it's more likely to to go into the inbox and not be seen as spam. And so that's really kind of where it started. And uh, mm-hmm. I just, I just like the text-based stuff. I like having maybe one big image, one cool thing. And then hopefully that, and then that's, that's gotta be the best image, you know what I mean? And hopefully that gets them to click and then go to the landing page or go to the Facebook page, whatever it is I'm trying to get them to, and then show other art in there as well. That's been my, uh, my strategy. That's awesome. What I will say about the, the welcome email is that the Welcome email begins the engagement and you want to make sure that it hits the inbox. You want to make sure that your future emails hit the inbox. And so engagement to kind of answer the question that you originally asked, you have to start from the beginning engaging 
the people that are on your list or in your Facebook group or whatever it is, because if you do not engage them, then they're going to kind of fall off. They're going to, um, you know, not open your emails anymore. If you, if you send, you know, so, uh, traditionally you get a welcome email and then you get like a once a month update. That's really common. Um, if you have a, a legitimate excuse to be able to send more emails than once a month, great. But just, you know, don't annoy people by sending them 10 emails. What I always do is I will send, you know, there's the welcome email that comes at whatever time, but my once a month newsletter will come, let's say at the beginning of the month. And then that, you know, for my email list, about 40% of my list opens the email um, for my game specific email. I'm talking about my game that you are interested in that you sign up for, not talking about my whole library of games or, or anything like that. I mean, there are plenty of reasons, to, you know, for a, for a publisher, you would of course want to talk about your library and what it is that you're doing. There are a lot of people that will, that will get very excited about um, a publisher and their line of games, of course. But um, so uh, I send out one email and then I send, I, I create a copy of that very same email and I resend it a couple of days later to the people that did not open the first email. So let's say I get 40% of the first group um, that, that opens the email. That means 60% of my email list did not open that first email. I will actually send, you know, resend and another 20% will, will open the second email. Um, a lot of the time when people miss the email, it's because they're working or whatever. And it just, they get a lot of spam anyway. And it just kind of, um, you know, disappears into the ether of, of their email list, which, which has 10,000 unopened emails. And, um, so the resend is very, very valuable, a very good tool to engage people. And with active campaign, which is awesome, uh, it's a more advanced thing. You can have kind of automated drip campaigns and automated resends and, and that, you know, depending on their Yeah, definitely. Situation. And you can create triggers that say, okay, they didn't open that email. So send this email in response, as opposed to sending the people that did open it, you know, a bunch of emails and they're like, well, I already read this same content. You can segment people out and it makes it really just an, kind of uh, an interesting system. It's almost a game in and of itself. You're trying to figure out, okay, what are the triggers? One of the things. So it's been fun just to play around with. Yeah. And you know, one other tip that I will give is the welcome email is one half of an equation for me. Um, so you have your email list and your Facebook group email list. I, you know, just whenever I say email list, you can also bundle in the landing page because that's kind of the combo that gets people to sign up. Right. Um, so the, the email list and the Facebook group, I, I have this, uh, thing that has just been working so beautifully that I wanted to share with, with everybody. Um, I want to give Kirk Dennison of peacekeeper games credit for this. Um, he originally shared it with me, kind of his technique. You have uh, your Facebook group. You have the ability to ask questions to people that join the Facebook group. And for all of you that are familiar with joining board game related groups, you've got, um, you know, will you obey the rules of this group? Will you not spam everyone, you know, immediately as you get in um, and you have to answer those questions. So you as a group admin have the authority to ask questions to those people that enter your own group. And what I have found is exceedingly valuable is to ask people if they would like to join your email list and receive a once a month email. If so, enter their email address. That question, some people say no, but that question is answered with an email address that works 50% of the time. 
in my group. So I, I find that exceedingly valuable because by linking my Facebook group, there are a lot of people that are going to join my email list by linking my email list. The welcome message includes links to my Facebook group. If they would like to get questions answered now, if they would like to join the community, that kind of thing. And people do. Um, so it creates this very nice virtuous cycle of, you know, I don't care what people link because I'm going to get the opportunity to get both, um, you know, to, to fill both lists. Um, and if somebody joins my email list, they get a once a month correspondence that's pretty much guaranteed for them to at least see the subject line. And then if, if somebody joins my Facebook group, they get that, you know, maybe weekly, uh, daily correspondence, um, that is not annoying. Um, but they might not see it. However, the cross pollination is that, you know, Hey, they're going to get a once a month email to remind them that I exist. And then they're going to go engage in my Facebook group. Um, so that's been a very beautiful, um, very beautiful thing. And so the, uh, to answer your question about engagement, you should, with your email list, start from the very beginning. Please send a once a month email. It doesn't have to be extremely long and detailed, but you should send something to update people about what's going on and where you're at. Even if it's, I mean, even if you haven't made a ton of progress, you can at least take pictures of your prototype on, on the table and talk about some element of your game. Um, that would be really great. Uh, just once a month, every month, diligently, don't forget it. Um, you know, if you expect people to sign up for your list and then, you know, I, I actually had a uh, one case, there was a guy who paid and had 7,000 emails on his, um, email list and he let it sit for like three months before Kickstarter. So he didn't send a single email out for three months, but he got like 7,000 emails of interested people on his list from Facebook ads. So he launches his campaign and he sends an email out with his email marketing program and the email marketing program shut him down because a lot of, you know, a high percentage of people were saying, Hey, this was spam or I, I don't know who this company is or, you know, whatever that kind of thing. And they were all legitimately collected emails. The problem is that he did not foster them. So they did not feel they did not get engaged and they didn't remember who he was when the time came. So these 7,000 emails, which probably cost anywhere from one to $3 each, um, were absolutely useless. Um, so that's, you know, a harrowing tale of, you know, why you should keep engaging your email list. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And that's some really, really good advice you got going on there. It's one of those things that I feel like people should go back and just re-listen to a lot of that and just take notes. And just because there's so many different things you got going on because marketing is, there's a lot of things to think about. So let's continue talking about timelines. All right. So I've got a game. It's going pretty well. I want to do a Kickstarter. Let's say six months from now, let's say I'm getting maybe a little bit of a late start, right? I think six months, probably a little bit late, right? Six months from now, I want to do a Kickstarter. What should my marketing plan be? You mentioned Facebook ads a moment ago. Like, what's your best advice as far as what should I do from now to that way I fund day one, six months from now? So the first thing is that people need to research and understand how the industry works. So if you, if you, the more information you arm yourself with, the more understanding you will have to make the right decisions, the more you'll, you know, I mean, just simply as they, as they say, you don't know what you don't know until you learn it. And then you know what you don't know. 
and then you have to go figure out how to do those things, right? So um, the uh, first step is you have to read Jamie Stegmeyer's blog. You have to know those things. These are not optional. If you are going to go into the board game industry, you have to have an understanding of how people think, what people, you know, I mean, you have to ask yourself these questions. And the the late, great James Matthey has a great um, source of information on his blog, which I believe is still up at the time of this uh, recording. Jamie Stegmar has kickstarterlessons.com that has hundreds of articles devoted to Kickstarter. They're, they're re- relatively short. And the first step, I believe, is you need to read all of those things. You should join, you know, a tabletop game Kickstarter advice, tabletop marketing collaborative, other groups like that on Facebook that, you know, where people are are thinking and talking about these things. Because what you put in your head, you are going to want to do. Uh, it's just, it's it shocks me how much I, I'm like this. Where the news and the things that I that I put in to my, to my head, the things that I read and absorb are the things that I want to talk about are the opinions that I have, you know, if, uh, you know, to get political for a second, if you listen to a right-leaning news source, you might have right-leaning opinions that come out of your mouth. If you listen to left-leaning news sources, left-leaning opinions come out of your mouth. And oftentimes the more you listen to those, so, you know, that one source, uh, exclusively, the more polarizing, the more extreme, the more passionate, the opinion will be right. So you need to put information into your head that makes you want to be a better board game designer, a better marketer, a better, you know, whatever. Um, this is really, really important. Um, uh, so that that's like my first step, um, be, you know, and really this kind of translates into, um, you know, the rubber meets the road when you do the legwork ahead of time. There is so much to be done. There's so much that you can do that you just need to know what is out there. So um, a recent example, I had a, uh, a client that did a Christmas Carol RPG and they did a really great job, uh, funded like 500% on Kickstarter. And they ended up, uh, you know, it was like a $30,000 campaign or something like that. And um, for a, for a um, like an RPG uh, one shot campaign for a Christmas Carol. Charles Dickens, Christmas Carol. And they, um, we did a lot of pre-marketing. We generated email addresses and they ended up funding in two days and, and, you know, or a day and a half. And they were, things were going really well for them. And then like in the middle of this campaign, they, um, just one, one thing to illustrate the gamer.com is a website that posted an article about them. They had not reached out to any website company or, you know, any websites, any, you know, marketing type, uh, you know, people that might be interested in, in sharing an article about this, they ended up getting 80 backers from that one article on the gamer.com 80 backers that rivaled their initial, um, I mean, it was, it was kind of like their second best marketing source. And that happened with about a week to go in the campaign. It was the only website that, that, you know, really kind of talked about their, um, project and it, it generated like, you know, $4,000 or $5,000 for their campaign that was that Kickstarter directly attributed to their campaign, not to mention the increase in organic results and the buzz and, and that kind of thing. And so, um, you know, but they didn't know that that was a possibility that they could have reached out to other websites. And 
when you're in the middle of your Kickstarter campaign and you're, you, you learn something like that, it's too late to take advantage. I know that, you know, number one, they're not one and done company. They're going to release another uh, one shot or another, you know, RPG, but the next campaign, they know, man, I better talk to websites ahead of time, you know? So there are just so many little elements like that, that you will learn or that you will, um, you know, you'll be, or that'll be in your head for when the time comes that you need to do long, you know, long before your Kickstarter launches. So to kind of ramp into your Kickstarter, so you have six months to go. Number one, you need to share on Facebook groups. You need to share your progress. So uh, of course, you know, what I, when I, everything that I say needs to be qualified with number one, you have to have a landing page with an email list that does a decent job. If you're a professional or if you, if you can do it yourself, then do it yourself. If you're not a professional, I mean, my company, we do these landing pages for like 500 bucks a, a piece. Um, you know, and there are other companies that, that do, or other people that will do landing pages for you as well, but you need to have that. If you don't have that, I can't add people to your email list. I can't, you know, direct people with Facebook ads or with, you know, you can't do it. You can't link your website in a Facebook group. Um, so you need to have that. Then you also need to have a uh, Facebook group. So this is like the the base. You, I'm assuming you have these things and these are the elements that you're going to link in, you know, wherever you go. Very cool. All right. So continue down the timeline track, right? So, all right, I, I've just started out. Maybe I've got a little bit of art that I can put on that landing page. I got the landing page. I've got the email list going. I've got the Facebook groups. Everything's moving along. Now, you know, we're maybe three or four months out from the campaign. And and so like, what should I be doing? Anything I need to add? Anything I need to ramp up? Anything I need to, like, what do I need to do just to make sure that by the time, you know, that six months rolls around, that that day of the campaign hits, that I am funded day one. Mm -hmm. Like, give me some more, more stuff I need to be thinking about. So number one, you have all of this rich art that you that you should probably have before you go to Kickstarter, right? So that is the material that you can share in Facebook groups. So the art of a game is is stuff that moves the needle needle, sorry, for a a Facebook browser. You know, just somebody on Facebook that likes board games that's browsing a Facebook group. So many times I have heard the comment, "Wow, that is beautiful. That art is amazing." You know that kind of thing because it is it really is you know board games have amazing art and you can share your character art you can ask questions and other things like that facebook groups are an amazing way to build momentum organically and the thing is you know i always thought you know with uh, deliverance for example if people didn't organically want it if the only way that i could get people was to pay for their their email address with you know through facebook ads or whatever then maybe it's not that it doesn't have legs, you know, but if people are organically very interested, then awesome. And the way that I've found probably the number one way, really uh, two things. Number one is sharing art. And number two is activating your fans. Because if you are the only one that's talking about your game, it's going to come across at some point as a sale, you know, used car salesperson, like, Hey, join my email list. You know, here's another art piece, you know, my 25th art piece uh, that I've shared with you in this group, please join my email list. It's just not as authentic as a fan saying, I'm so excited for this game. Here's a link to their website address or whatever. So if you can kind of um, encourage your fans to do some marketing for you, that is going to take you much further than whatever you could do on your own. So you need to 
I mean, that's what your Facebook group and your email list is for is activating your fans. So, um, so there's that, of course, you need to also be thinking about reviewers and that kind of thing, because when the Kickstarter comes, it's too late. You know, if you, if I, if I send a game of mine to Rado and I give him like two weeks, he's going to charge me $9,000 to get it done or he's not going to do it. He's going to say, no, this is uh, you should have contacted me three months ago. Right? So these are really important things. And if you do not mark my words, if you do not have the, so hygiene factors, if, if you go on a date with a girl and you fail to brush your teeth, you will probably have a less, a lesser chance of going on a second date with that girl. However, if you do brush your teeth, it's not going to help you get a second date. It's just going to hurt you if you, if you don't, you know what I mean? So these hygiene factors exist in um, Kickstarter. So there are these landing pages. A Kickstarter is a landing page for your game. It just has this call to action to buy the, or pre-order the product basically. So if you are missing reviewers, if you're missing third-party credibility, if you're missing, you know, a, a downloadable uh, prototype rulebook, if you're missing um, a risks and challenges section, if you know, there are so many elements to that Kickstarter page. If you are missing those things, any one of those things, you will get less backers. People will be less confident that you can deliver if you are missing some of that. So you need to make sure that well in advance of Kickstarter you are thinking about these things, you're putting them together. I believe you should also be putting updates like the skeleton of updates. And I have to shout out with uh, to um, um, sky kingdom games that did recently the ISO guard. I mean, I, I worked with them on that campaign and they had a lot of their updates pre-written, you know, with sections of content missing, you know, that had to get filled in, but it just makes you look much more professional and, um, you need to have those that you need to think about those things long in advance. And now when we get into the subject of Facebook ads, I do a lot of Facebook ads, but do not, please do not rely on them to take you from zero to hero. Okay. The, those Facebook ads need to be like, you know, the, the thing that, that brings you from, you know, a thousand fans to 10,000 fans before your Kickstarter or whatever. By the way, Facebook ads, you probably want to think about like starting, you know, three months out, two months out, you know, you, you at least need to, if you're going to do them yourself, then you need to do them at least, you need to actually start paying for ads at least a month before your Kickstarter, depending on your budget, maybe further than that. But, you know, you can really kind of, pa I mean, if I had to spend 50 bucks a day in Facebook ads, I could do it in a month. If I had to spend $300 a day in Facebook ads, I could do it in a month. So, you know, there are a lot of people on Facebook, right? So, um, you know, you can use whatever budget you need in a, a short time frame. So the, um, the three months of, uh, you know, before your Kickstarter, that's when you need to really start thinking about Facebook ads. You need to have whatever contractors you're going to use. If, if you're going to use a marketing company or whatever, you need to start talking with them three months ahead so that you can have all your, you know, building blocks, all your, all your plans in place. Um, and, uh, that kind of thing. So, uh, the things that you do like within, you know, one, you know, the, the, that time frame, we'll just say, you know, I was going to say within a month, but you need to activate your friends and your family. So a lot of people think, you know, about marketing and about, you know, maybe you don't have a lot of friends and family and, you know, people that would be willing to shell out 50 bucks just because they love you. 
But for those that, that, that have a network of friends, family like that, you absolutely need to tell them that, you know, and this is marketing. This is completely okay. You need to tell them that it would really help you if they back your project on this day or whatever, this Tuesday that you're going to launch, you know, that kind of thing. If you have your friends and your family ready to go and let's say like 20 of them back your campaign on that day, that is just going to go, you know, really, I mean, all everything that I'm saying is all to, to get the ball rolling on that day, on the day that you launch. That's the whole point of marketing for me is that you need whatever you're paying for. The reason that you're paying for it is so that on the first day you can push this little snowball down the hill and then it becomes this out of control avalanche that is much bigger than you that you're no longer having to pay for because you know i mean i you could not pay you could not pay the amount of money that it takes to turn a campaign you know uh from a small one to a a multi-million dollar campaign um you know through facebook ads like you just there's no amount of money that could do that um and certainly no amount of uh, planning that can do that profitably. The way that you do that profitably is you have people that are excited that market your game. And, you know, that's kind of what happened with Gloomhaven. Like, I mean, I mean, Isaac Childers, he didn't spend $2 million on Facebook ads or, or on, on marketing, but he had people that were really excited that were activated, like his marketing crew, people marketed for him because they were excited. Um, you know, and that's what you see with these big campaigns. So everything that you do needs to be designed to hit that day one and fund quickly and generate buzz and, and that kind of thing. And um, so everything that happens after that, yes, you can run Facebook ads. There are contests. You should, by the way, uh, one other thing, you should definitely pre-plan. Um, there are Facebook groups like Board Game Revolution um, board ga- or Tabletop Backer. Sorry, Daniel. Uh, Daniel Zayas runs Tabletop Backer Party. Um, there are just tons of great, the board game group, tons of great groups that you can pay for banner ads. Um, you need to have that organized, you know, several months in advance. Um, board Game Spotlight, uh, Derek Funkhauser, he's so funny. I've never met him in person. I look forward to meeting him one day. Uh, James Hudson's a gr- another great personality that I, me- I meet every once in a while at cons. But um, the, uh, uh, the, the funny joke there is that you know, people will like, Hey, I have a Kickstarter next week. Can I have some banner space? <laughs> They're like sold out for like the last three or four months, you know? So uh, make sure you have your Kickstarter banner space. You know, you're thinking about that. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, your Facebook group banner space for uh, board game related groups. Kick track is a, I mean, 140 bucks for like two weeks of, of space on kick track. It's super inexpensive. Um, board game geek, uh, certain games are amazing on board game geek, the heavier, crunchier dungeon crawl, heavy euros, stuff like that can do pretty well on board game geek, but all of this, you need to have organized ahead of time. If you do, if you try to do this when your Kickstarter is running, it's just, it's just not going to work. Um, so anyway, that I'm sure that there's more, but I hope that that's at least helpful to start the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of those things where the will to win is important, but the will to prepare is vital. And so if you're not doing these things to prepare, you know, reaching out to reviewers and previewers and, and mm-hmm. figuring out banner space and, and ads and all these things well ahead of time, at least three months in advance, then you're behind. Right. And so it's something mm-hmm. you just need to be thinking about. And it's one of the things that makes 
Kickstarter difficult? Why it is a business, right? Is that you have all these things you need to do at certain times along the way if you want to be successful. Now, there's always uh, exceptions to the rule. There's always people that just launched it with a hope and a prayer and, and it turned into a really awesome, you know, six-figure campaign. But don't don't expect to be the exception. Is <laughs> one thing I've told people. You know, do all the things you can to set yourself up for success. You know, you're always going to have a little bit of hope. You're going to have a little bit of a, uh, you know, hoping that it turns into something viral. But don't expect that. Don't plan on that. Plan on doing the consistent things that need to be done to set yourself up to succeed. Yes. And I, I will say that I have heard these hilarious stories of people that have that are like, you know, yeah, I, I raised like 900,000 majillion dollars on Kickstarter. And all I had was 20 people on my email list. It was just like, you don't need marketing. You know, it's like, are you are you kidding me? Is that is that real? Like, I, I first of all, I don't believe what you're saying is true. You know, second of all, it's like, how, how in the world I want to do that? You know, I want to just start and be completely unprepared too, and then make a million dollars. Like how, tell me how I can be completely unprepared and, yeah. and make so much money, you know, but um, it's just a uh, prepper. So there are certain things that you cannot control. You cannot control if your campaign makes a million dollars, you know, I mean, just give that the, the, the thought of being, you know what? Simon can control that. Other companies with established audiences, audience bases can control that because they have spent time building their email list and building their Facebook groups and building their notoriety and their, their other things, of course. But you cannot control being a newer creator. You know, you cannot control if your campaign just goes crazy. There are things you can control. You can control if you uh, have diligently prepared and built your email address or your email list. You can control if you have spent, you know, the last several months, um, you know, talking about your game in a way. And by the way, I'll say that if you want to talk about your game on, on social media, you're going to get your feelings hurt and you need to be willing. Yeah, I mean, there are people that are just going to call you the scum of the earth for how dare you link your campaign. And, and I've, I've actually been booted out of a Facebook group before because I, I marketed in the wrong way. And um, you have to be willing to go through that type of stuff. You know, definitely obey the rules of each Facebook group. There are a lot of Facebook groups that have promotional Saturday posts or other things like that, that, that you can take advantage of, but you have to get yourself, you, you have to just build the courage. And by the way, it does take courage. I have built, you know, I've, I've worked for hundreds of companies and every single company is just different. And I feel like a newbie every single time I start with another company, I try not to be like, Oh, I'm the expert. Just do what I say. You know, every company is different. Um, but every marketing project takes courage and you have to try to kind of, in some ways it's going to feel like beating your head against a wall and nobody cares about you and nobody knows who you are. And you just have to be okay with failing. Um, you know, you post a face, you know, you post your, coolest art piece to a Facebook group and nobody likes it. You get like two likes and one's your mom, you know, um, you have to be okay with that. You can post that same image again. Maybe the title was, or, you know, the, the, I don't know, maybe you, um, you know, can get a better engagement with a different, you know, shorter paragraph text or whatever. Um, just be okay with the embarrassment of failure. We all have this, uh, what is it called? Um, imposter syndrome where you just feel like a fake. You just feel like, ah, oh, nobody really cares about me. Nobody really cares about this stuff, but you know what? 
the board game industry does care. There are these creators that, you know, have made board games that understand how miserable things can be when you're, you know, sitting in a dark room by yourself thinking about how, you know, inadequate you are. I mean, we all go through that. And you know what? You just need to hit send, hit publish on those Facebook posts anyway. Just do it. You know, the more that you do, the more you're going to learn. And the more you learn, the more you're going to be able to do it well. So publish Facebook, you know, publish a, an art piece on one Facebook group, fail miserably, and then go publish that same post on another Facebook group and do okay. And then tell your fa- your, tell your new fan that you gained from the second post to post it in a third group and watch, you know, a hundred people come, you know, to your email list. I had this, this, uh, I'll, I'll kind of end with this story is that, um, so I run, so my game, I have chosen specifically to call it deliverance. That means the right thing to the right target market. However, to the wrong target market, it means banjos and ill-fated river rafting trips. Um, you know, if I don't know if you if you get the reference, Gabe, but it's a movie that came out in the okay. late seventies that just was not had anything to do with this game that I'm creating. And a lot of people will tell me, you know, maybe you should think about changing that name. And I've chosen specifically. Uh, to to have that name because it means the right thing to the right people. But I I had a fan of mine post, you know, I'm so excited about this game and they linked my uh, website. And the first like 10 comments where I've seen more banjo memes than you will see in a hundred lifetimes t- telling you, but the first 10 people link banjo memes. And then the next 10 people were like, Hey, you're being mean. And the next 10 people were like, Oh, we don't care. You know, we're mean people that like banjo memes and a hundred people joined my email list and I'm, I'm cool with that. You know, it's like, it's as long as you get buzz, as long as you generate, I mean, I have embraced, it hurt my feelings at first, but I've realized like, this is, this is hilarious. Like I, I'm, I think I'm the, the one that posts more banjo memes than anybody now, because it's just, it's so funny because, um, it just, it gets engagement. People like it. It's fun. It's, and it, it really works, you know? So, you know, you'll find something that works for you that you can, that you can leverage. Absolutely. And so it's one of those things, if you're going to get into this, you, you just got to put yourself out there and it's hard and it can be challenging and it could be, it can hurt your feelings a lot of times, but you just got to get to that point. Again, this is business. This is not, you know, only talking to your mom or talking to your dog about your, your thing. This it, is kind of putting your stuff out there in the world. And so it's one of those things, but there's no way to get over it without just doing it. And so it's one of those, you know, you got to just face, face the fear. Another thing when you're talking about, you know, sometimes people just get lucky and uh, that is what it is. And sometimes people run a hundred thousand dollar campaign and they didn't really earn it, so to speak, as far as they didn't put in the time and the effort and the resources to, to get to that point. And sometimes you just have a, a flash in the pan and it does really, really well. And that's awesome. I'm really happy for those people. Um, but one thing I've always just kind of taken to heart is this, I don't remember where I heard this phrase, but it's outlast the lucky outwork everyone else. You know, some people just get lucky and they're going to shoot like ahead that. of you for whatever reason. And you just got to outlast them. You just got to be consistent knowing that consistency and building good habits and building foundation is in the long run going to win out and then just outwork all the other people that are trying to do things consistently. And uh, that, that's, that's right. kind of how I, I, I view this podcast, how I view my, my company, how I view the, the ministry stuff I do is just we're going to be consistent. We're going to build things up. We're going to do things the right way with integrity and knowing that in the long term, that's going to be the way to win. And, and so yep. I think hopefully that'll it'll help people. 
But man, we're coming up. All right, we're over an hour and we have a lot more to go. <laughs> so uh, this is going to become a two-part episode. So if you listen to this, uh, the second part will be coming the following week. Part two, we're, we're going to get into Facebook ads. We're going to get into kind of the nitty gritty, more you know technical things, maybe kind of level two marketing. We're going to talk about, you know, right before a Kickstarter came, campaign uh, launches, we're going to talk about post Kickstarter campaign, all the things that go into the kind of post marketing, lots of other stuff that I have in my notes I want to get to. And so this is going to be a part two thing. So Andrew, that being the case, give me some closing thoughts for part one. Maybe, you know, you're, you're talking to people that are maybe just kind of getting into it, just trying to figure it out, get some closing thoughts, and then we'll come back for part two next week. Sure, sure. Um, so first of all, thank you for welcoming me back for part two. Um, I definitely have no shortage of words. So um, I will say that, yes, you can get lucky. Um, uh, an example is the Day of the Dragon was a, I believe it was a video game that some guy posted on Kickstarter. He did everything wrong. It just sounded terrible. And he ended up posting his Day of the Dragon Kickstarter the same month that Disneyland and Harry Potter combined for their Day of the Dragon promotion. And he made half a million dollars. And he was freaking out. And that's amazing. And I hope that happens for you. However, there was another another guy on, an, on a podcast um, somewhere. I think it was a tabletop game design roundtable or whatever. Um, this guy was talking on that podcast about how he's never had a hit in the industry. He designs video games. He's never had a, an outright hit in the industry. And he's worked successfully with a, a nice middle class income for the last 20 years. And, he, and again, he's never had a hit. He has been diligent. He has been, you know, uh, consistent and done all the things that Gabe, you just talked about consistency, you know, prepare and, you know, plan and, and work hard and, and that kind of thing. You can develop a great living, um, no matter what you're doing, as long as you're diligent. Um, so, uh, number two is that for me and my part, my advice, I always tell my clients this, my advice is always free. I don't, I'm not charging to, you know, tell you, give you, you know, great advice or whatever. When I, whenever I talk to a client, um, they have a million, a potential client rather, they have a million questions and it may or may not be a good fit that we get to work together. But if you all want to reach out, um, my advice is always free. You can reach me on Facebook. My name is Andrew Lowen and I need more Facebook friends to validate my um, existence. And then uh, email Andrew at nextlevelweb.com. Um, you are welcome to reach out. Uh, you know, if you're clever, you could probably find my office phone number and and um, call. But you're welcome to reach me by any of those mediums and just ask questions. And I have no problem helping. Awesome. Well, Andrew, man, really appreciate your time. Appreciate you coming on the show. I'm looking forward to part two, you know, kind of getting into these kind of deeper things and just getting to the, the next level in marketing. Marketing is a gigantic topic that we could probably do 10 episodes and it's still not even scratched the surface. And so I'm excited. <laughs> just, yeah, itself. no doubt. And so I'm excited just kind of get into some more things and uh, good luck with continuing the marketing company, uh, continue marketing, uh, marketing your game deliverance and everything else you got going on right now. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Hosting for the Board Game Design Lab podcast is sponsored by Quartermaster Logistics, the leader in crowdfunding fulfillment and warehousing. Check them out at qmlogistics.com and find all sorts of game design resources, bonus material, and chances to win free games at boardgamedesignlab.com. And until next time, keep designing, keep playtesting, 
and keep creating great games. Did I mention keep playtesting?